0: Now, welcome to the Cat Tunes podcast. I'm your host, Katherine Correlli. On this podcast, I'm going to talk about the stories behind my songs, the production tools that I've used, the production methods that I've employed, the instruments that I've played, the instruments that I've discovered, the arrangement methods that I've used, the real-life stories which precipitated the creation of my entire albums or of my separate tracks. So let's jump right into it, shall we? And welcome to the second episode of my Cattoons Podcast. Today we're going to be talking about a song called Blue Grin. Blue Grin is the second song, the second track from the I Tell You What album. Now it's important to understand for everybody who doesn't know that nowadays what I'm doing is I'm going through my old material and I'm reworking my old albums. So, for example, the I Tell You What album was in production between 2007 and 2008 But at the time, I wasn't satisfied with the quality of this production, and on top of that, this album really never was properly released to streaming platforms. Well, given that I was moving from platform to platform, and I've moved quite a bit, it was sort of dead in the waters. It never got anywhere, just like other albums, other old albums, like Sirific Tears or like Killed Alive or Take the Jive. So what I'm doing nowadays is I'm reworking these old albums including the I Tell You What album, right? The album that we're talking about right now, I'm reworking these albums from scratch and I'm trying to produce them the way that I've originally intended to produce them, but at the time I didn't have the skills, I didn't have the I didn't play the instruments, I didn't have the production skills, or I didn't have the equipment. You get the drift of it. So this explains why to those of you who don't know This explains why nowadays I'm releasing a classic version of an album, like I Tell You What, and a modern version. And so you end up having two versions of the same song, and quite often the vocals are different, quite often the lyrics are slightly different, and the production is definitely very very different. And the set of instruments that I'm utilizing on the same song, on these two different versions are different. Before we jump specifically into the subject matter of Blue Grin, let me give you some background on what was going on in my life back in 2007 and 2008 when my mother has just passed away. I was surviving alone in the big city of Moscow. I was moving from place to place. I was staying with friends. I was dating wildly because I was... I was trying to fill in the void inside of me and the emptiness and the loneliness. I felt abandoned. My entire family turned their backs on me because I came up, I came out to everybody as a transsexual woman and I just wanted to go on with my life, but it wasn't that easy and I actually didn't expect it to be easy at all. I knew it it's going to be tough, I knew that it's going to be very difficult for me to make a living, and I mean in a legal way, in a big city like Moscow, but I was trying to do my best and I was, I was trying to push forward, I was trying to take all the jobs that I could find, including babysitting, including coaching vocals, giving private classes on music theory and whatnot, doing some production, some music production gigs, whatever I could pick up, any freelance jobs, even the laughable ones, like, you know, translating from English to Russian and vice versa, whatever you name it. So it was a wild time, there was a lot of stuff going on. I didn't really know where am I gonna end up next month. Sometimes I had to pay the rent, sometimes I didn't have to pay the rent, sometimes it was my friends that I was living with for a couple of months and then I was moving on. Uh, Sometimes I was staying with a boyfriend and then I was getting out of there for whatever reason. So it's a multitude of stories, it's a multitude of very terminus events and as a backdrop to all of it, what was going on is that I was writing music. And so all of these events, all of these things that were happening in my life, they were bleeding into my lyrics and they were bleeding into, well, the musical contents of what I was writing about. And mind you, simultaneously, I was working on heavier music and I was working on lighter music. And at the time I've considered I tell you what to be pop music, because for the most part, I was listening to and I was simultaneously working on some pretty heavy stuff, like When Painkillers Fail album, and uh, there is no remake of this album, but if you go to my Spotify or you go to, to my YouTube, you will find this album under the title When Painkillers Fail, T. Lilith. Archives, Volume 1. So, long story short, it was a very tumultuous time, pretty dark, a lot of stuff going on, broken heart, uh, failed romances, trying to fill the void, feeling pretty damn lonely, to put it straight, and there were some things that weren't straightforward, brutal, that weren't exactly very heartbreaking, but they were sort of tampered with, with sadness, let's put it this way. I started working on Blue Grin, in fall 2007 I sort of laid out the basic concept and not even the entirety of the song I had no clue where is this song going, what is it gonna be like, what am I actually gonna sing about because I just had the title and that's quite often the case that I would have a title for a song and I would have no lyrics and I would have no music I would just have a couple of words and I would bounce from that and then the music would come and then the lyrics would come, and then all of it will take shape. As far as I remember, that was precisely the case with Blue Grin. I was sort of trying to smile my way through all of these events. I just tried to keep a face. I was wearing mascara every day, and the thing that a lot of people didn't realize is the reason why I was wearing mascara is that it held me back from crying because the reality was that I was really devastated, that I was saddened with a lot of things, I felt very lonely, I was depressed, and when I would put on some mascara, that would hold me back from crying, from shedding tears, because what happens when you're wearing mascara and you cry? Well, it bleeds, so you have the bleeding mascara and that doesn't look very cool. So. I was deliberately doing that, and I was trying to wear a smile all the time so that people wouldn't see that I'm depressed, so that my students who were my bread and butter, they were, they were my job, so that my students wouldn't really see what's going on with me because I'm their teacher, and they're paying me money, and I'm buying food with that money, so I really need to do my job pretty damn well, and putting on a little bit of makeup helped me, in a way, to hold myself together. It, it, it might sound pretty ridiculous, however that was the case. So the title for Blue Grin sort of originates from this concept of holding back things and being blue at the same time, so hence the title, Blue, because the mood is blue, but grin. And it's sort of like, yeah, smile and it's a cranked up smile because you don't want to look pretentious. And you, in reality, the reality is that you really want to smile. You really want to be happy. But you're so boggled. You're so dragged down by whatever is going on in your life. And you're so depressed that you can't really smile like from the bottom of your heart. So you end up having this blue grin. That was the idea for... The title, and that's where the song started. It first started with the title, and then other elements started to show up. Like, for example, again and again and again, which ended up in the hook. And it sort of happened to be in D minor, and I don't exactly remember why did I pick D minor for that reason, but. Essentially, the very first musical ideas that came for this title, for Blue Grin, started right there, with these words again and again and again, because it seemed like an endless cycle, and it seemed pretty damn repetitive and pretty damn sad at the same time, so I needed to condense that into into something very simple, like two notes maybe, or three notes and the interplay between those three notes. So I ended up with this phrase again and again and again, and I've used just three notes to convey this message. Now, here is another element of the story, which I think I'm pretty safe to to disclose to you. So, there was a guy I was dating at the time, and that was like in 2008 in 2008, dating a guy, and he was just a date, really, I didn't see him as my boyfriend. But at the time, there was another guy who appeared, or rather reappeared, from years ago, and we used to be friends. And it wasn't like he was a close friend or something, but he knew me from years ago, so essentially... This old friend, quote-unquote, old friend, I've met him first in 2000, in the year 2000. And back then, he was a drummer, and I had a different friend with whom we were doing music, and we're doing plenty of music for like one and a half years straight every day, basically. We were trying to form a band back then, and so we found this drummer, and he was sort of an odd guy, he was like little, really, I don't know, like 5'3", maybe, 5'3" five two he had some sort of condition i don't remember i think he had diabetes like um some sort of like chronic diabetes diabetes whatever he was slightly older he had a sister he was trying to do some business whatever he was like selling amps or like reselling amps or whatever and he was a drummer and he he introduced to me and my then friend a guitar player with whom we're doing music and trying to make a band he introduced us to dream theater so we were all into this you know Prog metal stuff, art metal stuff, and we we're exploring music and rapidly growing musically and professionally at the time. So that was back in 2000, and we were in touch for maybe like a couple of years, and then he was gone. Then he, did, the guy, just disappeared, and then all of a sudden in 2007, the guy finds me, and we met maybe a couple of times and just had a coffee, had a beer, something like that, chatted about stuff. And he was usually excited about, like, introducing some new ideas and, uh, actually, to be fair, quite crazy ideas. He was always a very upbeat guy. Sort of, you could say, you know, on the loony side. Sort of crazy, but, like, in a good sense, you know. And then in 2008, the next year, in spring, early spring, like, in March 2008, when I was dating this guy and I was already, like, two years in my transition, and this drummer, mind you, he remembered me from the times when I was before my transition, so that's quite a ridiculous, quite a strange experience, you know, to, to uh, talk to someone and to have someone react to you when you have changed so much, and it's been quite a few years. So, and all of a sudden, I started to realize that despite the fact that I'm already dating someone, this drummer from 2000, who reappeared once again in 2008, he sort of is really trying to hit on me, and that was a very weird feeling, because I wasn't attracted to him at all, like, he's just not, not my kind of guy at all. Yeah, we used to be close friends, yeah, thank you, because of you, I've discovered this and that music, yeah, you're very upbeat, a very positive dude, very energetic, very, you know, crazy in a good sense, all of those things, awesome, but just not my type, like, absolutely. And he's the kind of guy who is like, um, well, he's an extrovert, obviously, and he's there. He has a very explosive personality, and he's like constantly sort of getting too close and violating your boundaries. And it's sort of okay for the most part you let it slip because he's not doing anything bad and he's not like an evil intended person, a malevolent person or whatever and he's not like a creep or something, you know? So you don't imply those things. You see that he acts out of his best intentions. However, however, it's it starts to feel a little bit inappropriate. You know what I'm saying? And so these lines in Blue Grin in the hook, where I sing again and again and again, you catch my wrist in your hand. Those two lines, especially the second line, refers directly to this guy, because there was a couple of times when he was trying to catch me by the wrist, and he was like, well, well, why wouldn't you want to try this and that, and blah, 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 and I'm like, no, you don't get it, we're friends, and I was trying to, I was sort of, maybe I wasn't resolute enough, maybe I wasn't assertive enough, and I was sort of playing soft because he's an old buddy, and because he has such a personality, and I didn't want to hurt the guy or anything like that, and plus on top of that, back in 2008, I was a different person in a lot of ways, so I didn't have the qualities, the characteristics to just say up front, like, dude, you know what, yeah, let's let's just stay friends, and um, let it be just just like that. But this and that is not going to happen. I was more timid, I was more insecure, and I was pretty damn depressed with everything that was going on, like I said in the beginning of this episode. So I didn't have like the mental fortitude to say things up front. I wasn't able to do that. So there was a couple of instances where it was getting very strange, let's put it this way. And at the same time, I was dating this other guy. And that other guy... Actually, I knew that the relationship is not going to grow at all, That is it's just going to be basically about dating and sex, which was fine with me. But at the same time, it was sort of saddening that instead of finding someone with whom I can sustain a relationship, instead of that, I find myself dating, just dating. And one weekend, it's one guy. The other weekend, it's another guy, and then I end up dating two guys, or maybe there's a third guy somewhere on the horizon, and I'm just searching and looking and looking, and that's okay. That's absolutely okay. That's totally fine. But because of my life situation, the backdrop to this dating was pretty somber. It was pretty sad and pretty depressing because it wasn't just about me You know, dating out of the comfort of having a life. It was me dating out of the discomfort of not having a life. Just starting out on my transition, knowing that every time that I'm going out on a date with someone, I might be potentially putting myself in danger. Because you never know who's that guy gonna be. And I'm just in the beginning of my transition, for Christ's sake. So you don't exactly know what you're stepping into. And trust matters a lot and you learn to read people real quick. But anyways, I digress. Getting back to Blue Grin. Now that I've laid out some of the backstory, I just wanna throw in this one other thing, and I wanna say that Blue Grin is not specifically, it is not written specifically about one singular person. By the time that I was rolling out the lyrics that I was writing line by line by line, I was describing several individuals, and some of them were like short-lived dates some of them were one night stands and then yes there was also this old friend the drummer who was trying to catch me catch me by the wrist a couple of times and not in like a rude way or anything like that no but he wanted something with me, and I just couldn't give it to him. And I was terrified at the idea that actually there was a strange bottom line to all of this. Like, I'm rejecting him because I'm not into him at all. But at the same time, I myself feel rejected because to someone else, I might be not good enough because I'm a transsexual woman. And because I'm so early in my transition, and a lot of guys just wouldn't just wouldn't want to have anything with me. Which is okay. You can't force anybody to like you. That's the thing. So blue grin is very blue in a lot of ways. And yes, it's a green because you're sort of every day you're trying to conceal all of this and you're trying to, you know, run smoothly. You got a job to do. You got survival to take care of. You need to eat something. So this is the premise for blue grin. And once again, guys, there are two versions. Of blue green one is the original version from the classic i tell you what album which was written between 2007 and 2008 and then there is a modern remake which i think is more refined it's more refined musically but anyways anyhow let's get into the lyrical aspects of this song before we jump to any music analysis so here's how it goes once more in a roll, i'm looking for something unable to waste, always ready to taste, too tired to be pathetically lonely, too eager to get an illusion of happiness. As you can see from everything that I've just described to you, this first verse, this opening verse, perfectly describes the kind of life that I had at the time. So once more in a row, yes, once more, I don't know where where the hell am I going. I don't know where am I going to end up, and I sort of felt like I'm living on my baggage all the time. I'm looking for something unable to waste, always ready to taste. I had really basically nothing to waste at all, save myself. I really didn't have a lot of possessions, so always always ready to taste. But I was very eager to explore and to try out things. Because to me it was a whole, <laughs> a whole crazy new world. I was living my life myself for the first time without any parents, without any adults, without any family, with everybody turned their backs on me. And I was living my life as myself, as a woman. Too tired to be pathetically lonely. Oh, hell yeah, I was damn tired to be pathetically lonely all the time. Too eager to get an illusion of happiness. And that's something that I did realize at the time because I knew that what I truly wanted, I wanted true happiness, but I couldn't get that true happiness without true fulfillment, because what I really sought was I wanted to find a man with whom I could really bond, with whom I could have a real relationship, with whom I could build, with whom I could have a family. But at the time, the likelihood of anything like this happening was practically zero, and I could feel it. I could feel it every day, and that made me very very sad next verse once more i ain't got no home and i'm looking for someone to give me shelter and warmth because i'm cold to the bone and then in parentheses it says i don't know what's to come somewhere i belong but that place is a secret for everyone and alas it's unknown to me so you see this second verse lays out the way i felt about not having a home and what does it really mean to have a home. And I'm looking for someone to give me shelter and warmth because I'm cold to the bone. Well, the idea of home in my music and in me, what I perceive as a home, it's not a building, it's not a physical location, it is... A relationship it is a family so if I do not if I do not have a relationship if I do not have a meaningful relationship if I'm not with the man that is my man whom I do love profoundly who loves me I don't have a feeling that I have a home I am homeless so on that level the feeling of homelessness is permeating the song and it is laid out right here and on a physical level that was also the case because I was yes I was homeless I was moving from place to place I didn't actually have a home and yeah it feels like being cold to the bone like nothing can warm you up nothing at all I don't know what's to come and that's another thing because you you're looking forward you don't know what's gonna happen next week you don't know what's what's coming next month this state of depression and constant anxiety that you live in and You see the world through a pair of dark shades, and those shades are not like dark shades in a good sense, but rather everything looks pretty damn gloomy, let's put it this way. Somewhere I belong, but that place is a secret. This is exactly about this very intimate, very, very real, and very private faith and hope that somewhere out there, there is the man that I'm looking for, that somewhere out there, there is that love that I want to find and part of that love is within me and I just need to find that other person, that man, that one exact person with whom I can put my health of love together and he can put his health of love together and we will have one perfect thing and we can build. But that place is a secret for everyone and unless it's unknown to me. You sort of have this feeling, this hope and this faith inside of you and at that point, by the way, it it wasn't really about faith, it was rather about hope that this is attainable, that this is possible, in my case. Because I didn't love myself very much and I didn't love... I was pretty freaked out by the world because I was just trying myself out in the world and I didn't know what the future bears for me. And nobody knows, to be honest, right? But back then, there was a lot more uncertainty in a lot of ways. And so I was sort of hoping that I'm capable of this huge, big, beautiful feeling I was sort of hoping that I I could be good enough so that I could have that feeling with someone, like a blazing fire, like a sun that can warm us both. I was hoping for that, but I didn't know where inside of me was that thing hidden. So it was like a glimmering light somewhere deep in my own darkness, and I was catching the glimpses of that light, and I was reflecting that in my music and in these lines too. So then comes the hook, and the hook says again and again and again, you catch my wrist in your hand. That refers to that guy, to the drummer, again and again and again, a grin a blue grin because you're deaf to my heart. And that's another part, another aspect to this song, is that one of the most disappointing things that I've encountered over the course of 2007 and 2008 while I was, well, I mean... Who's in the wrong? I mean, whose mistake was that? Of course, it was my mistake because I was throwing myself into all of these questionable relationships and wild dating every weekend, not actually thinking about the emotional repercussions of that because quite often I felt that, well, guys want me on a date, fine, and I go go for that date and I'm exposing myself to the kind of emotions that I'm not able to handle. Because what what I really needed was to find a strong romantic relationship. I was trying to find a person. It wasn't that I was trying to just pursue sexual relationships only. That was not what it was all about. Yes, it was about that at the same time. It ended up there consistently. But was that my primary target? Was that really what I was looking for? No, it wasn't. I was looking for that emotional Warmth. I was looking for a feeling. I was looking to vibe with someone. And sometimes I vibed a little bit and sometimes it wasn't there at all. And sometimes I felt like, oh, maybe that's him. Maybe it is him. Maybe what I feel right now, that that thing, maybe, maybe I should trust my instinct. Maybe that's what it is. But to be absolutely honest, I wasn't that good at, at dissecting and rationalizing through my emotions back then. So I couldn't really dissect and separate things like lust and passion and emotional warmth and interest. It was a wild explosive concoction of all these emotions at the same time. So I sort of grieve in this hook, which was written back then, I grieve the idea that it seemed to me at the time that nobody wants to vibe with me emotionally. What I did not realize is, of course nobody would want to, vibe with me emotionally because I was a very depressed and sad person at the time. I don't want to say I was a walking disaster. No, I wasn't a walking disaster. I was trying to be upbeat and I am an extrovert. I like to be with people and I don't like to throw my crap on other people, you know, whenever something's not panning out for me. I don't do that. However, this underlying vibe of like isolation and loneliness and um, tough times and whatever... I think that bleeded out into reality and um, perhaps I was giving off that vibe. So I shouldn't entirely blame the guys for being interested just in sex and not being interested in a romantic relationship. After all, back then, it was the first time that I was actually dating very often and I was exploring this whole new thing because prior to that, prior to my transition, it was a whole different game and it was a different context. It was just a different story anyways. Getting back to the lyrics. So the hook says again and again and again. There is this theme of repetitiveness and um, you catch my wrist in your hand. Again and again and again, a grin, a blue grin because you're deaf to my heart. Then we go into the next verse which says, you can't bother me less. Then you're meant to bother. Uh, which is sort of a wordplay and it's sort of a twister, you could say, dark, sarcastic, humorous way to to say that, yeah, I bother about certain things, but, and you sort of bother me, but it's not like in a playful way and it's not, it doesn't really make me happy. It's sort of like back and forth for no, for no good reason. You know what I'm saying? I can't be what you want, always pleasure and smile. And then in parentheses it says my temples ache when I try to fake. Yeah, because I was having migraines. Once in a while back then, I was having migraines and I was constantly trying to portray a person who's more upbeat than I really was. I'm not going to change what's not in my power, no matter for you or for anyone else to come. And that was the stance that I was taking on a lot of things back then because I didn't want to bend to anybody or anything. I was just fresh out of the family that disowned me. I was just straight straight fresh out from that home and where I had an abusive father who was putting pressure on me since I was a little kid all the way until I left that place finally. So the last thing that I wanted to find... I didn't want to run into a guy that would resemble my father in any way possible. I just didn't want to find those qualities and sometimes I guess I was willfully blind because I was blinded by passion and loneliness, I think. So, I didn't want to run into people who would be similar to my dad. And I had this inner stance, this inner resistance to people trying to enforce something on me to people who are trying to bow me to their will. That's it right there in these four lines. Then it says, next verse. Why stopping me now? Why holding me tighter? Parentheses, you can't take me the right way. Why cling to my eyes? Why pretend you know me? You can't take me the right way. To someone I belong, to the others I'm nothing. You can't take me the right way. I know you are not what I want for myself this time so this is quite often this verse describes quite often the outcome of me leaving someone behind when there's a guy there's a date and then there's a maybe two dates, maybe three dates and then i realize that actually i've got nothing in common with this guy at all and that actually i've done a huge mistake making it sexual too quick because now it sort of contributes to the emptiness that i feel and it's ridiculous and I could have avoided this whole thing altogether, but I was dumb. And yes, let's be honest, I was seeking validation. I was seeking validation through sexual relationships with guys because I needed that validation as a transsexual woman. I needed to know, I didn't just wanted to hear from my friends that I'm attractive. That didn't mean jack squat. What I needed... I needed real validation from real men. And yes, I was seeking romance, and yes, I was seeking passion and love. I was looking for all of those things. So, I was playing the game, and I was trying to find someone who would be worth committing to. But anyways, this verse describes the kind of conundrum that I would find myself in quite often. Then there is the hook again again and again and again. You catch my wrist in your hand again and again and again. I, gr- I grin a blue grin because I'm deaf to your heart. You're nothing special to me. Now, this is the middle part. It says, you're nothing special to me no matter what you want, like it or not. We're nothing but you and me. And I'm beginning to see we're not a we. That's another thing, another aspect that I was realizing way too often to the point that at some point in time, I almost lost hope to actually find and sustain a relationship. And at the time I was blaming that on the kind of guys that I was picking. I was also blaming that on myself because I thought, well, I'm not good enough. I'm not attractive enough. I'm not feminine enough. And I was competing against born girls. Well, guess what? It's tough. (laughs) Let's put it this way. It's tough. And quite often I would find myself in this situation where I wouldn't feel that this guy is really special, that he's well, just like the other guy. And I mean, what exactly makes you special? And you know, sometimes I would run into guys who are like still living with their moms, with their parents, and I am being this feral cat out here in the big city, trying to make a living somehow, somehow making it, really cutting it even, not really earning that much, (laughs) not wealthy at all, not even close, basically struggling to put food on the table. And then I'm dating this guy, and this guy is so relaxed because he's still living with his parents. You know what I'm saying? And while I never held that against anybody at all, but I had this feeling deep down inside of me that those guys who were in that situation, who sort of were in their 20s, 25, 27, 30, really, you're still living with your parents? You still don't have anything of your own? You don't even have a job necessarily, and so you're just this guy whom I'm dating, and you're living like in a whole different world. We're living in two absolutely different worlds, so please... You see what it says in the lyrics, you're nothing special to me, no matter what you want. Because there, quite often it was the case, some guys, not everybody, quite often what was the case is that they would try to show me how cold they are, but I would see through that because they never really had to grind through anything. They never really had to have it hard in life. They never lost anybody. And gosh, the amounts of entitlement that I've seen that I've witnessed, and that's why I had this—I had this knee-jerk reaction. So yes, there it is, right in the lyrics: "You're nothing special to me, no matter what you want, like it or not. We're nothing but you and me." And I'm beginning to see we're not a we. I was looking for a soulmate. I was looking for a soulmate, and yes, of course, passion and and sex and attraction and all those things. Yes, but I needed a soulmate, and I needed a man that I could lean upon. But all these guys, I couldn't lean on them at all. So, ultimately, blue grin, grin is really blue for a lot of reasons, and you can see why. And then the hook basically repeats itself in the end, and this is where we can sort of shift to the production aspects and to the musical aspects of this song. Now, from a musical standpoint, Blue Grin is like irony exemplified, because on one hand, it's a very funky song, and that is evident, both in the original, classic Blue Grin from 2007-2008, and especially in the modern remake of Blue Grin, which has definitely a lot of funky, groovy stuff going on there, and it's sort of playful on the surface, but melodically, it's pretty damn dark and pretty damn melancholic. It starts with a chord progression that is played in the modern version, it is played with guitars, on guitars, a baritone acoustic guitar and the bass, and in the original classic version it is played with a synth. The synth plays it, so it's a descending line. Starts in D minor, sort of goes into A major with a C sharp bass there, and then it falls down into the fourth, into G minor. And that's not a, just a G minor, that is a G minor 7. And it rises up to the sixth, sort of goes up. Back to A major, triton down. This dreamy, dreamy one bar, probably one bar as far as I remember, that sort of sits There is some odd synthesizer that, or pad that plays something like a 9, 13, 11 chord thing. And then the verse starts. And in both versions there is a bass line, which is obviously very funky. On the modern version it is played with a real bass. Um, on the old version it is being programmed. those lines and it sits for the most part the verse sits on one chord all the time so it's pretty repetitive and the lyrics flow the the musical phrases in the vocals they change whereas everything else basically remains unchangeable well the bass is still the same Uh, in the modern version there are some guitar lines that float around and they change and they escalate a little bit What's characteristic about this is that it utilizes this the low second, the flat second here. So it's an E flat in D minor, which gives it a darker tone. So while it's sort of as I said, while it's still playful on the surface, is not as playful as it might seem and that ties into the concept of the blue grin yes this is a grin yes this is a smile but it's it's not a very happy smile at the same time and it continues throughout the verse there is a rising a rising pattern in the vocal melody in the last phrase right before the hook and then it goes into the hook and not surprisingly the hook the chord progression on the hook exactly mirrors what's happening in the intro again this little interlude playing around the 9-11 whatever chords are there in that pad synthesizer. And then we're back to the third verse and the fourth verse, and then there's the hook again, and it's a double hook, and it sort of moves on and it moves on, and the rhythm in this song is flowing freely, it's consistent. So this playful but dark vibe continues throughout the piece, and that happens. Both on the older, on the old classic version of blue green, and in the modern one. And so it continues into the middle section, and in this middle section, things are different because all of a sudden, instead of a G minor, in D minor, we have. There is like a great pause where it all goes quiet. B flat major. G major 7, C major 7, A major and we're back in D minor and that's where in the modern version there are some guitars that kick in and the trumpets kick in back again. So this little bridge, this middle section, it serves sort of the purpose of brightening things up a little bit, and so you sort of get a feel of, you know, it's almost like distancing yourself from whatever sadness is permeating your existence. You see what I'm saying? Like in this song, right, it's a blue grin, but for a moment, for a brief moment, you sort of distance yourself from all of it and you say, hey, well, all of this really doesn't matter because you're really not who I was looking for. So it's sort of okay, all right, let's just move on, whatever. And that gives you some level of emotional detachment and allows you to genuinely smile for a moment and be like, well, that's not the end of the road. After all, tomorrow's going to be a new day and everything's going to be okay, perhaps, if I try really hard. So that's why, instead of a G minor, like we had in the intro, we have a G major here. changes everything plus on top of that it's not just a 7 it's a 9 and goes into F major 7 all major chords and then again into a G major where it gets sort of melancholic again but overall this this portion of the song this middle portion of the song it brightens up things a little bit it makes it feel like hope is not lost really like things could be better tomorrow's gonna be a new day and this G major actually does all the work major of course we sort of forget that we're in the minor key I have to give special credit to my brother whom you can find on Spotify under the handle chilled alone it's an artist profile so look up his music he has some lo-fi music out there he's a multi instrumentalist he plays trumpet he plays trombone he plays keys keyboards he plays a flute he plays all sorts of interesting instruments and he played this trumpet pack that you can hear on the modern version of Blue Green. This is what he had done. He had done a wonderful job, I believe. And it sort of, sort of, generally speaking, brightens up the tones of this song. It keeps it funky and keeps it in the realm of funky but melancholic, but not too dark, not too depressive. It keeps it so, so, somewhat upbeat, I would say. So, definitely check it out, and definitely check out Chilled Alone on Spotify. Getting back to the song. So, after this middle section, there is the hook. Basically, it returns back to the hook. But that's not all, because in the very end there is a backing vocal that is exactly the kind of backing vocal that played in the middle section, which was... is exactly in the backing vocal, on the very last hook it is done, exactly for the purpose of strengthening and gluing the song all together, because this is something that bleeds in from the middle section into the last hook, it creates more of a climax to the entire song, it drives the point home. The lyrics on that last backing vocal underneath the hook are the same as in the middle, so it's basically it repeats itself, it repeats itself over and over again, just like the hook, sings again and again and again, so it's a repetition, a repetition, a repetition, drives the point home, brightens up this whole thing a little bit, and sort of shows you that, well, tomorrow is another day, not everything is lost, and there is still hope. There is still hope. There is still hope, basically. That's the whole point. So, this thing intermingles with the hook melody on the very last hook, and this is what you hear in the backing vocals. This is where it sits. The way it's mixed, the way I've mixed it, I've deliberately mixed it in a way that it wouldn't just jump right into your face, so it would be sort of concealed behind the main vocals. There's a lot of stuff going on there in the mix, as you might have heard in the modern version, right? So, you hear the trumpets are playing there, the drums, the live drum kit is playing there, the bass, the multitude of guitars, and some piano in the back. So it's a lot of things. And I wanted it to be there, but sitting neatly, snugly, comfortably in the back, but not too obvious. Not too obvious, not in your face. But it's there. So this is the musical analysis of Blue Green. As you can see, it's not exactly a very depressing song, but it is also not a very happy song. It's quite, quite melancholic, let's put it this way. occupies the second position on this album. It is the second track after Solari 40707 because it is still an opener track. This is the first track that has lyrics on it, this is the first first taste of what this album is really all about. So it sits there for a reason. You couldn't put this track in the midst of this album. Well, theoretically you could have, but it wouldn't really sit there. It's too calm, it's not dramatic enough. To be somewhere in the end of the album, for example, or somewhere in the midst of it. So it's... I've concluded at the time when I was assembling all these tracks and putting them together, as I was writing these songs, I was trying to think out the track list, like what goes where and which song feels in its right place, at what position. So Blue grin, in my opinion, sits very snugly, very nicely, on the second position, it's an opening track, you could say, and it introduces the listener to what's about to come. And of course, there are many more tracks on the I Tell You What album, and we will get eventually through all of them, and I'm hoping that you are, that so far, you're enjoying this journey and the backstories that I'm giving you, because I think for a lot of people, just listening to these songs and listening to those lyrics, some of it doesn't really make any sense. Some people probably get a vibe of what it might be about, but I was always trying to find out, when I was listening to other artists, when I was listening to songs by Slipknot, for example, or Korn, I was trying to dig deep and I was trying to find out what kind of story is behind the song. It was always fascinating for me. So. That is essentially the reason why I started this podcast, because I thought, hey, you know what? I I am basically writing my whole life into my music, and sometimes it's instrumental music, sometimes it's not necessarily songs, they don't have lyrics, sometimes it is songs, sometimes there are lyrics, and sometimes I give some cryptic references to whatever, and people absolutely don't understand this. I have some albums, for example, like Slot Lips, which is an audio film album, it's not exactly an album in a... Uh, in a standard sense, right, it's it's not really an album, it's rather an audio film, it's a story. That is all pretty damn cryptic and people who never watched David Lynch movies, for example, who are not familiar with Twin Peaks or with Mulholland Drive, they probably won't even get it. They won't get a lot of references and cross-references that I've made there. And in part, there is some beauty to this and I don't want to spoil it all to you, so I'm not telling everything, I think I could write out more of that in a book. But to a certain extent, I think it's it might be pretty damn helpful to disclose some of this information, some of the context of why these songs were written, not only on I Tell You What album, but generally speaking, why did I write my songs, what are they all about? Because also, some people might, might speculate and have encountered some of this when people witness me expressing my beliefs and my values nowadays, and they're like, wait a second, I don't believe that it's even you, because, hey, you sung on that and that song, this and that. And I'm like, well, you know what? People change. People change. My life is a journey. I change. I develop. So, there is a lot of songs that I've written throughout my life. There is a lot of musical pieces that I've written throughout my life and this is a record of my journey. Sometimes some of my albums are very dark and yes, sometimes there is resentment, there is fear, there is anxiety, there is anger. Sometimes I was depicting my demons, sometimes I was dealing with reality and I was trying to find a way to push back. You know what I'm saying? I think that it might be helpful to some people, and it might be useful, it might be interesting to some people to listen to why did I write what I actually wrote. You tell me. If you find it entertaining, if you find it interesting, you tell me. I'm just a simple artist from Kentucky, well, originally from Moscow, (laughs) and I'm trying to break down the stories behind my songs, and I can only hope that to some people this might be of some utility, that if you're a songwriter, if you're a musician yourself, maybe you could, I don't know, learn something from this, maybe, I'm not saying that I'm the best songwriter by any means, by any stretch of the imagination, however, I have my path of exploring genres of music, various genres of music, and uh, some know-hows, and my way of going about things in music, so it might be helpful, it, may, it might be helpful, so I'm deliberately making this podcast not just about the stories behind the songs and what precipitated them, but I'm also breaking down the musical contents of the songs, I'm showing the chord progressions, I'm showing the melodies and how were they born, like in this case with Blue Grin, again and again and again, three notes that define the entire song, everything else... Falls in line, falls in place. Because you can put these three notes, this one little phrase in the beginning of the hook, you can change chords underneath. And it will still match. As long as you're staying in D minor, obviously. So, this is where I'm going to wrap up this episode, guys. Thank you very much for tuning in to my Cat Tunes podcast. I appreciate y'alls. Thank you for your attention. Thank you for your time. I hope that I kept you entertained for more than 40 minutes. Once again, if this podcast takes off, if it gets some traction, I will be open to reviewing other artists' work, other indie artists' work, just like myself. Artists who perhaps deserve more attention, whose music needs to be talked about, whose music needs to be exposed to a broader audience. And uh, I can't boast a huge audience, but I have someone listening to me after all. And thank you very much for paying attention. So if it takes off, If it gets some traction, I will... I don't know, maybe I'll try to invite some more people, maybe I'll try to do interviews, maybe I'll try to just do reviews, like album reviews, or maybe single song reviews, but I'm definitely looking into this and I think I will be well capable of pulling this off. For those of you who don't know where to find my music and never heard my music, please find Catherine Corelli on any streaming platform. You can find me on Amazon, you can find me on, I don't know about Google Play nowadays, but probably on YouTube. You can find me on Spotify and Apple Music and iTunes, on all these places including TikTok. You can find me there too. Also, if you're interested in my different podcast, in which I'm talking not about music, but I'm talking, for the most part, I'm talking about social issues, sort of philosophy, I don't know, maybe societal trends and politics, check out my Cat Talk series on YouTube and on Rumble. Recently, I started moving stuff from YouTube gradually to Rumble, and I will be uploading my older content to Rumble too, so... Meanwhile, find Catherine Corelli, my channel, on YouTube, and you will find Cat Talk series, my episodes, my regular. Every five days, I put out an episode of Cat Talk and also on Rumble. So thank you for tuning in. Thank you for checking out my podcast. I hope I kept you entertained. You have yourself a wonderful day. I love you all, guys. And you will hear me on the next episode. Meow.